0: Welcome to this sermon podcast from Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I was enjoying that so much, and my heart was being blessed, and I couldn't help but think, and I don't know why my mind went this direction, but I couldn't help but think, atheists, secularists, progressives, they don't know anything about that. They know nothing about that. Their heart is never warmed by anything like that. They're worldly, they're carnal, and they find their joys in so many things that are uh, unhealthy, unwise, and not good for you. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful I'm a Christian. I'm grateful I'm saved. I'm I'm grateful that I'm no longer walking in darkness as I once was before I was saved. I'm grateful that uh, I've experienced the grace of God and that my eyes are open to appreciate uh, what we just experienced. Well, it is Mother's Day. And let me begin what I believe is a very important message, though, with a couple comments before I get into the message. We say, Happy Mother's Day. But as a pastor, I fully realize that for some people, it may be a little bittersweet, particularly if you've lost your mom. And I understand that. But let me at the same time say, I wish you happy memories of your mom, and you should cherish those happy memories. And for that reason, for some people, uh, Mother's Day might be a little more challenging or difficult. I also realize that for some moms, Uh, They have regrets on Mother's Day. Uh, Their children are not living for the Lord. They are not saved. Or if they are saved, they are terribly backslidden. And as you think about motherhood, you may be here this morning with regrets. But it may be that you weren't saved during those formative years with your children. Or maybe you were saved, but you you just didn't know. You know, I don't want you to beat yourself up. Truth of the matter is all of us, if we had it to do over again, would do some things differently, wouldn't we? Let me see some heads nodding. Yeah, all all of us as as parents. So so don't beat yourself up. But if you if you did make some mistakes, you know, maybe some serious mistakes, encourage the young moms. To listen to the message. Listen to the preacher. You need to listen. I wasn't saved at the time. I didn't hear that. Or, or I was saved, but I just didn't go to a church that, that taught that. So the young moms who are still have opportunities to raise their children, you know, you be an encouragement to them. And, and you know, use that as, as a positive. And then lastly, let me say this to those of you moms who may be burdened by a wayward child. And there's not much more burdensome than a child that is wayward. You've heard me, if you've attended here any length of time, you've heard me say this. Remember the prodigal son came home. So you, you live your faith forward. Maybe you made mistakes in the past. Maybe you weren't even saved. Maybe you did get it wrong. But that doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean that the die has been cast. That wayward son or daughter, they need to see you living for the Lord now. They need to see you loving the Lord now. They need to see the joy in your heart for loving the Lord now. And you need to love them. No matter how far a child may stray, you need to love them and you need to let them know, I guess like the, what is it, Motel 6, the lights are always on. And you're always welcome. And you love them. So I wanted to say those things before we get into the message this morning because when we talk about Child rearing, it could be that you have so many regrets and wish you could do it over again that it just may be discouraging to you. But don't, you know, understand, we've got to preach it to these young couples and and these young moms. And you older moms, you need to be the biggest encouragers of the young moms, whether you got it right or whether you got it wrong. You need to encourage them. And again, moms, you need to just live for the Lord now and love the Lord now and love your children now. Well, this morning, the message is entitled, The Life-Changing Mark of Mothers, and we're going to talk particularly about Hannah, known as Samuel's mom. I want to start with a quote that says this, The influence of a mother in the lives of her children is beyond calculation. Read that again. The influence of a mother in the lives of her children is beyond calculation. This truth is illustrated here in the life of the prophet Samuel, particularly as it relates to his mom. The story of the Old Testament prophet Samuel should be an instructive and an inspiring story to each and every mom in this room, particularly those of you that are young moms, you have children at home, and you want to raise them for the Lord. This story should be both instructive and and inspiring and encouraging. So we're going to begin by first looking at the son. We're going to look first of all at Samuel this morning. And then we're going to go back and see what kind of influence was there on him that made him the man that he was. First of all, what do theologians say about this man, Samuel? One says, Samuel's life serves as an example for believers today. Key principles include his obedience to God, his faith, and his willingness to intercede for others. Samuel, Old Testament prophet, quite a man. Another theologian says, and I quote, Samuel, whose exemplary life is recorded in 1 Samuel, was the last and greatest judge in Israel, and he was also a prophet. The Lord compares Samuel with Moses, and his name is, and is named as a hero of the faith well, that 's who I want my children to grow up like a man being spoken of, or a daughter being spoken of in these glowing godly terms. A third quote: He was an exceptional leader who occupied three major offices in ministering to the children of Israel. He served as a judge, a prophet, and a priest. Samuel displayed an outstanding leadership quality that was anchored on integrity. Some people today might say, boy, his mom Hannah, she sure was a lucky lady. You don't want to think that way. Luck has nothing to do with it whatsoever, as you will see in a little bit. So that's what theologians say about this man Samuel. What does the Bible itself say about Samuel? Well, number one, he was a man of spiritual understanding. In First Chronicles uh, chapter 29, verse number 29, it says, Now the acts of David the king, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer. Samuel the seer. It, it uses the word seer to describe Samuel. The word seer means that he was a man of spiritual understanding. He was a man of spiritual maturity. Who wouldn't want their son or daughter to be spoken of in those terms? For them to have that kind of reputation. Your sons, your daughters being considered as men and women of spiritual understanding. The Bible says that about him. But it also says that he was a man of prayer. Samuel was a man of prayer. Psalm ninety-nine six Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name they called upon the name of the Lord and he answered them outside the books of first and second Samuel you go to the book of Psalms and the book of Psalms outside of Samuel mentions Samuel. And note something very specific about him. He was a man of prayer. That is stated in God's word, preserved for all of eternity. That's an important statement. What parent in this room wouldn't want their children to be known as children of prayer. When you, when you think about what that means and what that signifies in their life. He was a man of spiritual understanding, the Bible says. He was a man of prayer, but he was also a man of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, which is considered the hall of fame of faith, uh, people of the Bible who were great people, men and women of faith, their names are listed in Hebrews chapter 11 because of their faith. And in verse number 32, it says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. This was an outstanding man. He was a man of spiritual understanding, spiritual maturity. He was a man of prayer, and he was a man of great faith. Each and every Christian parent, each and every Christian mom desires that for their children. He was also greatly used of God. Greatly used of God. Let me give you just three examples. When Israel demanded a king against the Lord's will, God used Samuel to warn the people of going down that path. The people of Israel wanted a king, and and God told his prophet Samuel, he says, no, they don't really want a king, they don't understand where that's going to lead. And Samuel had the integrity, and Samuel had the courage to give this bad news to a nation. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that ask of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He's saying, hey, here's what's going to happen. If you get the king you're wanting, he will take your sons and appoint them for himself. For his chariots and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he goes on and on. Then you skip down to verse number 18. And ye then shall cry out in that day because of your king which he shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. This is not good news to those people. But Samuel stood up to them and he said, you want a king? Here's what you can expect. And what you can expect, you don't want to hear from me. But he had the courage of character. And the faith in God to stand up before those people and speak as an oracle of God. Who wouldn't want a son or daughter of that kind of character and courage? How was he greatly used of the Lord? Number two, when King Saul failed to obey God, Samuel was used by God to proclaim God's removal of Saul as king. Well, they got their king, they got Saul, and it went just as the Lord had, had, had told them. And then Saul acted against God and was, was not the right kind of king. And, and Saul, tell, I mean, God tells uh, Samuel, you know, okay, I'm done with Saul. They got the king they wanted, now I am removing him. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and rent it. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to the neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Boy, it takes some courage to go to the king and say, guess what? You're done. You're toast as king. Your days are over. God selected somebody else. That's this man, Samuel. This is a man of courage. This is a man that is in the center of God's will. This is a man that wants what's best for his people. This is a man that is willing to lead rather than follow. This is a man of great character, integrity, and courage. Who wouldn't want children like that? Boy, Hannah sure was lucky, wasn't she? She sure was lucky, wasn't she? She was anything but lucky. A third example. When God was ready to give Israel a king, he approved of who he used, uh, Samuel, to anoint him. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Okay, Saul's been removed. Okay, now, Samuel, I'm going to use you to anoint the new king. Samuel. This same Samuel. Boy, he's doing some big stuff, he's doing some important stuff. He is making a difference. He's not a burden to society. He's not a heartbreak to his parents. This is a man that is being used greatly of God. I can only imagine the pride in in Hannah and in, in, in his dad. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for he will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This is Samuel. He's not complaining. He's not narcissistic. He is not entitled. He is contributing. He is pulling his weight. He is leading by example. He is a man of great faith. He is a man of fortitude. He is a man of character. And again, we ask the question how? How did that happen? Can, can we find in the Bible any indication of how he became the man he became. How, how did he go down that path? Did God just choose him randomly to bless? Well, not when you go back and look at what happened before the things that we just read happened. Was it simply just chance or good luck? Hannah, you sure are a lucky mom. Or was it just a matter of fate? A lot of people today buy into that nonsense. Well, it was just luck. It was just karma, whatever, whatever that means. You know, it was, it was just fate. What does Scripture say? Because we should be all ears. If we believe this to be God's Word, a loving Word for you and I, instructions for marriage and spouses and parenting and children, then we should be eager to find out because... What worked for one will work for another because God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't play favorites. What does Scripture say? Is there any indication that indicates why why Samuel succeeded so spiritually? And I think there's huge indication as to why this man grew up to be the man he was. Because Prior to his birth, and including his early childhood, the Bible has a lot to say, a lot to say about his mom, Hannah. You know a lot of people are born in the Bible and they're characters in the Bible, but little or nothing is said about their their mom L- little or nothing in this case, a lot is said, a lot is said about Hannah that I think, particularly for you you you, young moms that are still raising your children, and for older moms as well, I, I think there are some important lessons to be learned from him. I mean, there's a reason, folks, I mean, there's a reason the story's recorded. It's not just to entertain us. It's not just so we'll learn the facts so we can be good at uh, Bible trivia. That's not the reason the story's there. God recorded it, and God preserved it all these centuries because there's lessons to be learned, and every mom in this room ought to eat it up. Eat up what is said about such a, a noble man that so much is said about her, his mom. That moms ought to be all ears. Let's look at the story. Because it's not silent about who, where he came from and, and how he got to where he was going. First Samuel 1.1 1, 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramath, whatever that word is, (laughs) good luck with it, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Alkina. Now, that's the dad. That's going to be his dad. The son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, the son of Ephrathite. And this man, this is Samuel's dad, made a mistake. He had two wives, and you'll see in the Bible that That happened. Polygamy happened. But every time it's mentioned, accompanying problems are mentioned with it. But he did. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children. But Hannah, who's going to be Samuel's mom later, says had no children. Now again, the Bible wants us to know this information. It just doesn't start with Samuel. It goes back with mom. We're talking about Mama. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, that's the priest, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Alkinah offered, he gave to Penina his wife... And to all her sons and her daughters, portions. Okay, they're they're going to the sacrifices. And he's a good husband. And he's going to give his one wife, Penina, uh, uh, good portions. To, To her children, he gives good portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion. For he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. She had no children. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Who's her adversary? Who's making fun of her in that same household, the other wife? The other wife is mean, cruel, insensitive, and vindictive. Oh, come here, children. Come here, children. All you children. Uh, Hannah, why don't don't you call your children? Oh, that's right. You don't have any. Come here, children. Come here. Let's enjoy. Let's play some games. Let's sing some songs. She was that kind of woman. Verse number 7. Excuse me. Back up to verse number 5. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her. Okay, now verse number 7. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. It got to Hannah. It got to her. It was more than she could bear. So much so that not only did she cry, but she wouldn't eat. Hannah, you need to eat. Eat eat, eat this bowl of soup. No, I'm I'm not hungry. I, I, I I can't eat it. Then said Elkanah her husband to her Hannah, Why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? I got to hand it to Elkanah, he's trying. You know, he shouldn't be married to two wives, but he is, and in this case, he is showing some sensitivity to her. You know, he said, "Look, you, you sound like a husband. Hey, you got me. You know, well, what, what more could you want?" Verse number nine. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She goes to the temple. She's praying. She is so burdened about this. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Listen to this. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. I will give him to you. And she did conceive. And God answered her prayer. And she did have that child. And she gave him to the Lord. She raised him for the Lord. She emphasized to that child the Lord. She praised the Lord. She thanked the Lord. And when he was old enough to go off to boarding school to train for the ministry as it was back then, she took him. She didn't say, this is my baby, I'm keeping you here. This was a a woman of great faith, a woman of great integrity. She made the Lord a promise. She lived by that promise. You're beginning to see a pattern here? That's describing her son Samuel, who also loved the Lord and served the Lord and was a man of integrity. The Bible tells us so many great things about this man Samuel. And in conjunction with that, it says so much about his mom, much more than we have time to read this morning. And one of the things I want us to go away with this morning, and this should be encouraging to moms, the influence of a godly mom. In this day and age where there's so much out there working against your children, trying to rob your children of their heart, their purity, you know, uh, their their talents and and treasures, when there's so many things, there's so many booby traps out there in, in our culture around us, godless schools, godless society, be encouraged this morning, moms, that you, God can use you like he did Hannah, to be a positive and encouraging influence on your children. Don't underestimate the influence of a godly mom. John MacArthur said this, To be a mother is by no means second class. Men may have the authority in the home, but the, woman ha- but the women have the influence. The mother, more than the father, is the one who molds and shapes those little lives from day one. George Washington testifies of that. My mother said George Washington was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Billy Sunday, the evangelist, said, I don't believe there are devils enough in hell to pull a boy out of the arms of a godly mother. Mom's That should encourage you this morning. That while you have concern for all the negative influences out there, your influence, your prayers, your example, your spirit, your love, can walk them through that minefield. So that they can be the the kind of man that Samuel got to be. Just a godly person maybe not President of the United States, you know, just a a man that loves his wife, a woman that loves her husband, raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I want you to see something here. I want want you moms, and we'll be done here, to see three what I believe are important and encouraging facts, okay, that I think you're going to identify with, particularly the first one. Remember this, number one, moms. Hannah was a woman of sorrows. She was a woman of sorrows, and yet she raised a godly son. Verse number six, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret because of the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. And then, again, Elkine, her husband, you know, why are you so grieved? She was a woman of sorrows. In her own house, it was hard. It was hard to be godly. It was hard to keep a right spirit. It was hard to be faithful. She had someone in her house tormenting her. And yet, in spite of the burden, the real burden, she was able to raise a godly child. One writer said, Hannah had many problems. Her husband's heart was divided. Her home, instead of being a place of refuge from trials, was a place of trials. Her hope had been disappointed. You, as a woman today, can be a woman of sorrows too. You may have a difficult husband, an unsaved husband, an ungodly husband... You, you may have other family members that do not understand or appreciate you and put you down. Your sorrow could be based on uh, unbelieving family members. So be encouraged this morning that if Hannah, in a sorrowful, difficult home, could work her way through that and produce a godly child, be encouraged this morning that God doesn't pay favorites. And if you will be as committed as Hannah, as prayerful as Hannah, as diligent as Hannah, God can bless you. Number two, be encouraged. Hannah was a woman of prayer. She was a woman of prayer. She was in a difficult home, a very difficult situation, and she was a woman of prayer. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And then we have her prayer, and she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Hannah was a woman of prayer. She was grieved. She was tormented. She was burdened to the point that she couldn't eat. But it doesn't indicate that she ever got angry or vindictive or that she wallowed in self-pity and she didn't run from the situation. What did she do? That should be a model to all us parents. She went to the Lord in prayer. She pleaded her case to God in prayer. One writer said, "'She was burdened and miserable, "'and in such a state of mind "'she might have become chronically depressed, "'dissatisfied, wretched. "'She might have turned from God "'and shut herself in upon herself.'" She might have allowed her grief to corrode her heart and poison all her life. Instead of this, it was transmuted into prayer. She might have allowed her grief to corrode her heart and poison all her life, but obviously she didn't. Things might have been tough at home, but Samuel, let's go play. Samuel, look at those trees. This is God's creation, Samuel. Look at that brook. See the fish? This is all God's creation, And I want you to love God. I mean, but yet, goes back into the house, and there's all the pressures of the world. What got her through it? Prayer. And if Hannah can be a woman of that kind of substantial prayer, ladies, even though you may find yourself in a difficult situation, you too can be a woman of prayer, and that is what you need. Don't be angry. Don't poison your soul. Don't wallow in self-pity. Don't think that you have to run. None of that is said of Hannah. Take your burden for your children to God. And love God supremely. And then number three. Something to encourage you moms this morning. Hannah was a woman of faith. She was a woman of faith. In verse number 27 of chapter 1, For this child I prayed... And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, or I have given him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent or given to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah was a woman of faith. Hannah's faith is evidence in her actions. She committed her son to the Lord. She took him to live with Levi, uh, uh, Eli, the priest. Couldn't have been easy saying, now you be a good boy. And she kisses him on the head. Now here, you know, I got you some fried chicken. You, know, you always send them off with fried chicken. Here's some fried chicken and some potato salad. And you know, you be a good boy and mom's going to be checking on you. Eli, you, you take care of him. This is, this is my only boy. But I promise the Lord and I'm, I'm following through. That's a woman of faith. Moms, I, I, I know sometimes it can be hard. I, I, I know that your faith can be, be challenged. But she committed him to the Lord. Look at this quote. But Samuel was preeminently his mother's boy, as boys are apt to be. It was his mother that prayed for him, his mother that took him to Shiloh with the bullocks, the flour, and the wine, his mother that offered him in consecration. Being a woman of... Great faith may take great strength and great resolve and a lot of prayer. It can be hard work. But the reward, the reward would be worth all the prayers, all the tears, all the putting up with the negativity around you, all the junk around you. You can be a woman of faith. You can be a woman that commits your children to the Lord. You can make sure, to the best of your ability, that they are under the right influence. And again, I know there are moms in this room. I know for a fact there are moms in this room that are grieving over a wayward child. But again, from this point forward, you can be that woman of sorrows, but nonetheless a woman of prayer and a woman of faith. And you let your adult children... Don't pester those adult children, don't beat them over the head with the Bible. When the opportunity knocks you, share it with them, but just let your life shine before them, that they might see your good works. Okay? And let them see your joy. Let them see your happy. Yeah, yeah, there may be things that are tough at home, but you got God and you can you can live that life and and you know again the prodigal son came home and that prodigal son or daughter that is burdening your heart right now you pray for them you have faith and you love God and you love them with the hope and prayer that your prodigal child will come home god blessed her those of you that still have young ones those of you that are just starting off young you moms there's going to be tough times in a marriage, tough times in life. There's going to be some sorrows, some disappointments. You can relate to Hannah. But remember Hannah and remember her prayer life and remember her faith. We'll close with this little, I guess it's a little story. It's a very brief little story. Illustration is a better word. This little illustration. I, I, I had to include this. The, the imagery here is, is so uh, heartwarming. You can read it with me. You know when you have been walking out with your father or mother, if you come to a pretty meadow, you can leave their side, run about, pick flowers, and hardly care whether your father or mother are near you or not, because you're out in the middle of a beautiful meadow. But if you should run a thorn into your finger or hurt yourself in any way, how eagerly would you run to tell them all your trouble? And to seek their help. Now God has just such children. When all is smooth and easy around them, they care not much for their father's company. But let pain or trouble come, they are glad to run to him and to pour out their hearts before him. If it had not been for Hannah's trouble, Hannah would never have known so much of prayer or praise. When life is good, we like children. Or in a meadow with our parents. Yeah, run and play. It's safe. It's good. Go enjoy yourself. And then you find yourself with a thorn stuck in your hand. You're running to mom. You're running to dad. Moms and dads, for that matter. You have a broken heart for a son or daughter that's not living for the Lord. That's your thorn. You go to the Lord. You spend time with him in prayer. And you live before those children as someone who has grown, someone who has matured, someone who now has a godly spirit, a sweet spirit, a loving spirit, a forgiving spirit, a patient spirit, a Christ-like spirit. Do that whether your children are grown or whether your children are still young and at home. I just thought it interesting about Samuel. Great character of the Old Testament. And so many characters in the Bible, you don't know anything about their mom or their dad. But in this case, a lot is said about Hannah, and we didn't cover it all. And I'm thinking as a pastor, there's a connection there that God wants us to see. And I think it should be encouraging, particularly to every mom here, you can relate to Hannah. Hannah. In the sense that maybe things at home are not good. But understand this. God has given you that child, those children. Be a woman of prayer. Be a woman of faith. Be a woman of joy. Be a woman of peace. Be a woman of service. Be a woman of humility. Be a woman of faithfulness. And our prayer is that God will bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.